the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. As you turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. The book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And there you'll find these words. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell, perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. And from this passage of scripture, we want to preach the revival that changed God's mind. The revival that changed God's mind. Revival among God's people is so essential for spiritual reawakening from the state of spiritual sluggishness. Revival is needed because many of God's people have become spiritual stagnant and they live in a state of spiritual dormancy in, in their life. A key component, a key critical component, component that ushers in revival is prayer. For without prayer, there can be no revival. Did you get it? Without prayer, there can be no revival. You say, why is revival needed? Because of spiritual sluggishness, stagnation, and dormancy, God's people need to be fired up. God, God's people need to be full of fire. God's people need to be full of passion, excitement, and zeal. You're not coming to God's presence uh, just being a drag on the worship. You ought to worship God in spirit and in truth. You ought to have some vitality and energy when it comes to worshiping the God of our salvation. There is no revival without prayer. Well, then if there's no revival without prayer, then what is prayer? 
prayer is having a prayer is having conversations with God from the heart. Prayer is having conversations with God from the heart. Believers ought to pray about everything, being confident that God hears and answers our prayer. Prayer must be a way of life. It is through prayer that God's children speak to him. It is through prayer that God's children call to him. It is through prayer that God's children cry out to him. The scripture says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 8, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Revival is needed because God's people has evil ways about themselves. God's people have the evil ways about themselves as well as myself. The king of Nineveh passed an edict that he and his people would cover themselves with sackcloth and cry out mightily to God. Hearing the message of Jonah deeply moved the king to humble himself Hearing the message of Jonah, the preaching of Jonah, deeply moved the king to pray and repent, lest imminent judgment from Almighty God would come upon he and his people because of their violence and evil ways. Beloved, like the king, we too must get serious about prayer, especially with all the crime we have. We have health crises all over the place, diseases all over the place. There are one tragedy after another tragedy, one atrocity after another atrocity, natural disasters, people with suicidal tendencies, people all over the country with addictions, people who are in financial debt, people who are actually stressed out, people who are worried, rebellious children and so much more. Because of the troubling times in which we live, it is critical that we have a renewed passion for prayer. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. So if we're going to pray, you need to know the various kinds of prayers that we pray as believers. What kinds of prayers should Christians pray? Pray. Let me give you a few of them so you can know the kinds of prayers. You need to annotate this because it will embellish, it will help, it will enhance and stimulate your prayer life. Number one, we have prayers of petition. This is to ask or request something from God. These are called prayers of petition. First John chapter five, verse 14 says, now This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, you need to underline that, you need to ask according to his will. He hears us. John 14, 13 also says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. So prayers or petition, this is to ask or request something from God. Now with that being said, based on these two passages of scriptures that I just read, do not expect God to answer your prayers with selfish motives. If your motive is not right in prayer, God is not going to hear, nor will he answer your prayer. We must pray according to God's will and also for that which glorifies him. 
Pray according to the will of God. You say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, the word of God will reveal the will of God to the glory of God. You want to know the will of God? Then read the word of God. And the word of God will reveal the will of God. And when you're doing the will of God, you will glorify God. Now, see how simple that is? The word of God reveals the will of God to the glory of God. Secondly, Another kind of prayer is prayers of contrition. These are prayers which express sorrow. These are prayers that express grief and brokenness over our sins. These are prayers which express sorrow, grief, and brokenness over our sins. Psalms 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. In Psalms 34, 18, it also says there, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Until we consider our ways, and we got some, we got some ways about us that is not of God. We have some irreverent ways. We have some sinful ways about ourselves. We have some attitudes that are not right before God. Uh, there's a whole lot we need to we need to work on with us. You don't have time to be looking at somebody else's issues because you have enough issues in your own life to deal with. I like that old spirit that says, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So until we consider our own ways, we will not possess a spirit of contrition and brokenness. Haggai chapter 1 verse 7 says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You know, not everybody else's ways. Not, oh, Joe and John and Shirley and Sue should have been here. That message had their name all over it. No, no, you here. The message today is for you. God ordered your presence amidst us today. You are not an accident here. And you need to consider your ways. You got some thoughts about you that's not right. Some attitudes about you are not right. You know, that's some stuff way down there deep that nobody knows about that needs to be dug up spiritually, that the that prayer needs to perform on you. The word of God needs to to uproot so that you can have freedom in Christ, liberty and emancipation in Christ to the glory of God. Thirdly, what kind of prayers should Christians pray? Prayers of intercession. We must pray prayers of intercession. This is to pray to God on behalf of others. It is to pray to God on behalf of others. The gospel of Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, it says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now, when God calls your name twice, he's really get he has something to say and he's trying to get your attention. Indeed, Satan has asked for you. Satan wanted Peter badly because he knew the potential that Peter would have in the kingdom on the kingdom in the future and in the kingdom. And also, Satan wants you just as bad as he wanted Peter. Huh? And that's why we, are, we don't have time to be talking about one another. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be interceding for one another because Satan wants you and he wants me just as badly as he wanted Peter. And, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. That he may sift you as wheat. 
but I have prayed for you. Who do you pray for other than your family? You pray about yourself, your family. But does it go beyond that? That he said, I pray for you. What did he pray? That your faith should not fail. You know, many times we are tested and we fail the test. And uh, Peter denied Christ, but he was restored. And don't look at Peter too cross-eyed because there are many times we have denied Christ ourselves. Many times we should have witnessed, we should have spoken up, and we didn't. We stayed silent. And he says, look, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, God permitted all this, that Peter would be strengthened and that he would be a blessing to the church. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 also says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. Now Peter's in prison. Okay? He's in prison. Not because he stole a ham out of H-E-B of Jerusalem. He wouldn't, sell, he wouldn't steal ham anyway because Jews and pork didn't get along. <laughs> okay? Maybe some lamb chops. <laughs> Peter, was, he was not in jail for stealing uh, lamb chops out of the Jerusalem market. Peter was in prison for the sake of the gospel. He was preaching too much. He was witnessing too much. Those disciples were turning Jerusalem upside down. But look what the saints, as he was in prison, they wouldn't say, good for him. I hope he don't make bail. What did he do? You know? But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That's what you do when folk are in trouble. You pray for them. You don't talk about them. You don't, front them. you don't call all over the United States of America. You don't text and tweet and down them. Just want a person down. Don't put your foot on their neck. Pray for them. If you can't say something good and you won't pray, why don't you just be quiet? Besides, we are to pray for people who have needs. All of us have needs. Of various kinds. We are to pray for those who are in crises. Someone is in crisis under the sound of my voice. We are to pray for those who are in trouble. There are those who are in trouble as I preach this message by radio and so forth. We, and then listen to this. We are to especially pray for believers who experience adversity. Not just for the world, the people in the world and those who have all kind of cataclysmic things happening to them in the world, as you see on Eyewitness News and all of that. But you, when the saints are in the midst of adversity, like Peter, Peter was in jail. He was going through a trial. And the saints were praying for Peter. He was in adversity. They weren't gossiping about him in the house. It's a dangerous thing, beloved, when you gossip or rejoice in the calamities of others. Furthermore, you don't know what's coming your way. Don't listen. Don't, don't be so quick to try to figure what's going on, what's going out. Just being spiritually nosy. You're not praying. You're gossiping. You're backbiting and all that. When people are going through trials, your heart ought to go out for them, even to the point that you pray for them. 
Never, never, never rejoice in the calamities of others. That's, that's low. That's low. That's, you've gone low. Gone low. He says, is there a scripture for that? It sure is. Let me give you one. Let me give you a big fat scripture so you not know that I'm not just talking up here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24 verse 17 says, it specifically says, do not rejoice when your enemies fail or fall. Do not rejoice when your enemies fall. And do not let your heart be glad when they stumble. Good for them. I, I knew it. I knew it. Uh-huh. Made your bed hard. You got to lay in it. You know, all those, don't y'all look at me like the universe, like you've never heard these statements. You know, you ought to be praying for people. You ought to be praying for your people. You know, you, want, you wouldn't be so mad at the president if you were praying for him. Look at that. Like, I, now you don't even know how to say amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, when you're too mad to pray, you're too mad. You pray for folk you like, folk you don't like. In office you like, you didn't put them, they're not your candidate. Yeah, well, they're still in charge. The Bible says pray for those in authority. Then that's a sin of omission. You pray for everybody, whether you like them or not. It doesn't matter what party you are. God says pray for those in authority. You ought to pray for your children's teacher. They're in authority over your child. That professor's in authority over your student at University of Texas or Trinity University. They're in authority. That, that supervisor is in authority over you. You be praying for them. You're talking about you won't pray for the president, but you won't even pray for your supervisor. <laughs> Why don't y'all say amen? Y'all got so stuck there you can't say amen. <laughs> Do not rejoice when your enemies fall. And do not let your heart be glad when they stumble. Don't text about them. Don't email about them. Stop tweeting. Let there be a holy hush about you. Matter of fact, when someone is going through calamities, you know what you ought to do? Lord, what are you teaching me about their failure? Did you get that? What are you teaching me? Lord, All my lessons don't have to be hard learned. In their situation, that's pretty bad, Lord. I'm praying for them. But what are you teaching me so that I can learn from it? Number four, another kind of prayer is prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers of thanksgiving lift your burdens and emancipate us from worry. Prayers of thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for being God. Thank you for having my back. Thank you that you're in charge. Thank you that you love me when I'm not lovable. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Start praying prayers of thanksgiving. It lifts your burdens and emancipates us from worry. Uh, uh, thanks, prayers of thanksgiving emancipate us from stress. The truth be told, some of you are stressed out to the max. Your, your blood pressure's up. You're sick. 
Your body's all out of out of sync. You just stressed. Some of you are so fretful and fearful over over things that's going on in your life. Prayers of thanksgiving brings peace in the midst of troubled hearts. Therefore, all of us should focus more on thanking God in our prayers. I pose a question to you. When is the last time you came before God in prayer and you didn't ask him for one thing? You just went before the throne of grace and you be just you just began to thank God for everything God brought to your heart. That, that ought to be a spiritual exercise, a spiritual practice that we just come. The, the, the times where you say, God, you, you're so good. I'm always imposing on you. But this time I'm coming to you and I, I just got the spirit of thanksgiving on me and I'm not going to ask you for nothing. I'm just for the, for the next 10, 15 minutes in prayer. I'm going to just thank you for, for whatever come to my mind and you will bless God and make heaven happy. Psalms 86, 12 says, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart and I will glorify your name forever. Psalms 107, 8 and 9 also says, oh, that men would give thanks. Look at that. Look at the passion of the psalmist. Oh, 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 that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. Has he done some wonderful works in your life to the children of men? For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Then you have prayers of adoration. Then there are prayers of adoration. Prayers of adoration, these kinds of prayers, they exalt God. They magnify God. These kinds of prayers praise God and glorify God. Prayers that adore his majesty and his glory. Prayers of adoration also acknowledge him as creator. Prayers of, adora- prayers of adoration acknowledges God as king. Prayers of adoration acknowledge God as savior. Prayers of adoration also focus on God's majesty. Prayers of adoration focus on God's uh, sovereignty. Focus on God's supremacy. Prayers of adoration focus on God's greatness. There's a wonderful passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 that says... Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is a dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Look at all of that adoration to God in that scripture. That scripture makes me want to shout all over this pool. Ouch! You, you, ever, you ever read a scripture and you just, you either hollered ouch or you shouted because it was so good to you. Oh, this ought to make you shout. First Chronicles 29, 11 says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is a dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. I like that song that says, after all of that passage, oh, come, let us adore him. 
When I think about his greatness, his majesty, his his power, his supremacy. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Allow me to transition. Why do many believers do not give priority to prayer? You know, some, some people have been saints a long time and they, they don't uh, put any focus on prayer. No priority on prayer. Why is that? Why do so many believers not give priority to prayer? Well, first of all, because of pride, self-confidence, and self-sufficiency. They, they prideful. Nothing wrong with me. I don't need all that. I'm good. No, you're, you're bad. You're bad because you think you're all that good. <laughs> Only God is good. <laughs> we consider our ways. We're really bad. I don't care how pretty you are. You, know, you, you can hold that Bible up and all you, all you want. But there's some bad things that we have to wrestle with in our own lives. That tongue can say some things that's bad. And the reason that tongue is saying things bad, that's bad because the heart is bad. Well, I mean, we, we don't give priority to prayer because of pride, self-confidence. You got more confidence in yourself than God. It's self-sufficiency. I got it. I know what I'm doing. And you don't say that, but you act like it because you don't even ask God for direction. Uh, secondly, uh, believers don't give priority to prayer because of a lack of a discipline. They're not disciplined enough to pray. Uh, praying involves spiritual discipline. You got to pray. And you know what? Thank you, Holy Ghost. When you don't feel like praying is when you need to pray the most. <laughs> I'm tired. When you don't feel like praying, that's when you need to make yourself pray. That, that's, that's every reason to pray because you don't want to pray. Spiritual discipline. A lack of spiritual discipline. Uh, uh, and then, uh, spiritual negligence. You just don't pray because you're just, you're just not negligent. People, I don't know how, how. People can go all day and not pray one line to God. Not one sentence to God. Just get up, hop up, brush their teeth, wash their face, shower, do whatever, eat some bacon and eggs, and go on to work. Go, uh, work all day, hell all over the job, changes made you don't like, traffic jams on the way home, get home, then you got the bills, you got this, you got that coming at you, you got calls, you got 51 texts to answer to, you got emails out coming out your nose, and you won't pray. How are you going to prioritize your day without prayer? As a matter of fact, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. When you pray in the morning, God actually sets your agenda for the balance of that day. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.